0: Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. All right, let's go to the Old Testament. Jeremiah. The theme we have been focusing on this year is manifest, measure, and multiply. Uh, I was doing some work this week, and some of the work I was doing was a little more on the mindless side, so I was really able to focus on prayer and uh I just really asked the Lord for his heart for us as people. And he started leading me to this this concept I want to share with you today. And he showed me how we can transition from one way of thinking into another way of thinking. And actually how the entire Bible is actually kind of set up to kind of show us this uh, transformational process of thinking one way, even how he leads and guides us into how he leads us and guides us today. So in Jeremiah chapter 31... Start reading in verse 27. This is the New American Standard Version. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. Now, we're just jumping right into the middle of something here. So just, it might sound like a little like, Mark, where is this coming from? But just kind of allow this to kind of knead the dough of your heart a little bit. So he's talking about the house of Israel and the house of Judah. These are the two different houses of the Jewish nation. And he says he's going to kind of sow seed into them like they're a field, okay? And the two seeds he sowed into them is the seed of man and the seed of beast. We'll talk about that in a minute. As I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, and to bring disaster. That sounds like fun. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. If you go back to Jeremiah 1 really quick. Nick, I didn't tell you about that one. How quickly could you jump to Jeremiah chapter 1? Okay. And go down. Well, let's just start in verse 5, I think it is. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How many people remember this scripture? It's a pretty familiar set of scriptures to you. This is a really... Great promise and reminder to us that before we were even existing in mom's womb, God was thinking about us, had a plan. It says, before we were in mother's womb, he knew us. Before we were born, he consecrated us. Yes, I know he's talking to Jeremiah, but I promise you, it's not just Jeremiah he was thinking about. He thinks about each and every one of us this way. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Keep going. Alas... Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. How many people have heard the Lord's promise and then automatically throw up excuses? Jeremiah is not immune from that very thing. If a Bible hero can talk like that, so can we, and God still does incredible things with us. Verse 7, the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go and all that I command you, you shall speak. Eh? keep going. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. By the way, he's telling them not to be afraid of the Jews. Sometimes the Lord has to tell me to not be afraid of you. Yes, I'm looking at you. You all look so innocent like sheep. But I can tell you, sometimes you have sharp teeth. Verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, just like sowing seed, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms, look at this, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Does that sound familiar? 30 verses, not just that, just that. That's good, thank you. Now go back to verse, or chapter 31, 27. So we know that this is a theme in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is appointed by God, to kind of create a circumstance with his prophetic insight so that the Israelites or the Jewish nation themselves total kind of are like good soil for good seed. And the way he's doing this, and I'm going to start putting some interpretation now to these scriptures, he says, I'm going to need to kind of stir up the soil and I'm going to do that first with the seed of man and the seed of beast. Okay, next verse, 28. And when he does that, when he sows that seed of the man and of the beast, that's going to cause some things to happen inside the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They're going to be broken down. They're going to be overthrown. They're going to be destroyed, and they're going to actually experience disaster. But then there's another time coming in which they will be built and planted. Okay? So this is God kind of doing some work in the heart's of the Jewish people. And I believe that those two verses, 27 and 28, are a prophetic picture of us as people. 29, in those days they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. I think he's referring back to when they're being plucked up, broken down, overthrown. Everyone will die in his own iniquity, for his own iniquity, Each man eats the sour grapes. His teeth will be set on edge. That's not good verses, but here, verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers. So this is the beginning of a distinction, and I believe the first couple of verses we read was kind of like a prophetic metaphorical picture of these two covenants. I'll make a new covenant that's not like the old covenant that I made with their fathers. Verse 32. In the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So the old covenant was actually established when he took them out of the land of Egypt. This is a covenant which they broke. Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is the new covenant that he's going to make with them. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Beautiful picture. I'm very thankful that this is a scripture buried in the midst of a book in which if you read the entirety of Jeremiah, it's not a happy book. There is a lot of problems that the Israelites are going through. They're also sent into exile. You guys know that story, right? Israelites literally sent into exile an experience where they're actually servants once again, almost like in the days of Egypt. And it's a, again, it's like a prophetic picture. Look, I want to establish a new covenant with you, but you have forgotten who I am and who you are, so you almost need to remember what it was like back in Egypt. That's what This is what this whole book of Jeremiah is all about. But then in, near the end of it, in Jeremiah 31, he says, look, This is just a picture. I'm going to bring you back out, but I need to show you how this process all works and why this had to happen to you again. Old covenant, new covenant. God is talking about through Jeremiah to the people of God. I had a covenant with you when I took you out of the land of Egypt, but you broke it. This time I'm going to make a new covenant with you, and it's going to be different than the old one. So let's do a little... Uh, school classroom stuff here today, okay? I want you to remember some facets or some aspects of the Old Covenant. Shout out something about the Old Covenant that might be different than this New Covenant that he just described here. Because if you look at it, he describes the New Covenant, but he doesn't describe the Old Covenant other than they broke it. So let's help create some context here. Give me a characteristic of the Old Covenant. Anything. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Rules. Rules Rules what? Rules based. based. Come on, guys. Children Children paid for their parents' sins. That's a good one, Sean. Multiple generations, yep. Oh. Thank you. See, I'm so glad Sean is here. The law was written on what in the Old Covenant? Yeah. Stones. How many sets of tablets did it take? <laughs> you get angry. you got to rewrite everything. Anybody else? Come on. Some other characteristics. Rules-based sacrifices written on stones. I forget. What was the other one? I think I said that. Anybody else? Can you say that louder? Only a select few could have interaction interaction with the Lord himself. You guys remember that, right? Only once a year could the priest go in. And that was only if he was worthy. Do you guys remember they actually had to tie a rope to his ankle in case he died and they had to drag him out. That doesn't sound like fun. Today, you just got to experience worship face-to-face with the Lord. You might not realize it or not. And no one had a rope tied to their leg. No one had a threat of dying as a result. No one was like, I wonder if I'm worthy to stand in front of the Lord and worship. Was anybody thinking about that today? I hope you weren't because it's no longer about your worthiness. It's more about his. And the more you celebrate yours, you realize how incredible, valuable you are. Okay, so there's these differentiations that God is making between the Old Covenant and the New One of the ways he described the old covenant is that God was a husband to the children of Israel. And it says that he took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. So if you can kind of picture him like a husband, literally taking his wife's hand and taking them out of Egypt. How many ladies have had someone, a man or a husband, take you by the hand and walk you out of something? come on, girls, what is is this? What is this today? Yeah, it's incredible when someone takes you gently by the hand and says, I have something better for you. You should be thankful for those moments when a man or someone takes you by the hand or maybe even a dad takes you by the hand. The Old Covenant, I'll I'll just sum up some of the other thoughts I had when I was thinking about the characteristics of the Old Covenant is that it required ongoing convincing. One of the reasons why it did was because it was easy to forget. Do you remember? It constantly was being reminded. Fathers, tell your children about what God... Everybody say the word did. It's really important. The old covenant was constantly having to remember what God had done in the past. Okay? And when you have to tell someone what God has done to you or in the past, that means he's not doing it to... Now or to them. Okay? So when that's not happening, when God's not doing something to Diane, but he's doing it to me, I have to convince her that he's doing it to me. Or if he did it to me five years ago, and we're five years into the present now, I have to convince you that that God is still the same God today. Are you with me? They had to gather every seven years to re listen to the story. That's old covenant. Okay, I have to convince you of what happened in the past is still true today. Something else about the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, they had to gather together to keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again to the point where in the, in the present day of Jesus, uh, the Pharisees actually had, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the teachers, and the priests all had to have the first five books of this Bible that we now have memorized. Could you imagine memorizing Leviticus? But they had it. And that only came from repetition. And every Sunday they would gather, or sorry, Saturday technically, every Sabbath they would gather and the teachers would share those stories and repeat them for the purpose of constantly bringing them back into remembrance of what God, everybody say, did. Really important what God did. And then, this is the thing that I think, in my opinion, is probably like the overarching dark cloud over the Old Covenant, is that you were constantly monitoring everybody according to the Covenant. How you doing? Are you keeping up with it? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Don't, don't remember. I'm mean, sorry, don't forget. <laughs> don't remember. There were blessings and cursings associated with the Old Covenant. If you did it, good things would happen. If you didn't do it, bad things would happen. Right? That's the old covenant. Now, I don't know if you heard anything in that old covenant that kind of reminds you of what still might exist today. Maybe in your own home, or maybe in the home you grew up in, or maybe in the church you went to, hopefully not the church you go to (laughs) but there's this there's that feeling sometimes just think about some of the things you might have said when you were repeating back to me some of the stuff you thought about with the old covenant or the things I'm sharing with you now it's very difficult for you to not bring some of those things up into your present reality like let me ask you this how often are you thinking about what God did versus what God is doing Hello? And how many times does someone have to sometimes remind you about what God has done versus what he is doing? How many times do you feel monitored by someone, by God, or even by yourself on whether or not you're measuring up to whatever set of rules or expectations you think are out there for you? How many times do you feel like you're paying for your sins? I need to tell you that is old covenant and not the new covenant you have with your father. You do not pay for your sins anymore. I feel like that's one of the most fundamental teachings of Christianity that is still a revelation. You do not pay for your sins anymore. I'm waiting for someone to shout out, Oh, what about what about anybody want to finish the sentence come on someone wants to do it someone wants to bring old covenant into the new I know you do huh I'm not saying anything I'm just wondering what you're going to say huh what about reaping when you, what you sow mm, I was hoping we would do that one alright I did have one sorry I lied but I lied in church and I don't pay for my sins. <laughs> How many people believe that the law of sowing and reaping is the law that is is connected to paying for your sin? I got one person who obviously does or they wouldn't have said it. You all do. I do. You do. You think if you do something wrong in the back of your mind, you're just waiting for that thing to come whiplashing around and whack you in the back of the head? Hello? Yeah. Do you know that the law of sowing and reaping was established by God before there was ever a law? Before there was ever a sin? Where was the seed in Genesis 1? Where was the seed for future fruit? In the fruit that was already on the tree. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was already seed in the fruit for what? Future trees. The law of sowing and reaping has nothing to do with sin, it has everything to do with multiplying the goodness and the glory of what God had already established in the earth. We have connected it to what we do wrong, our sin. And I, I, that's why I. I get a little frustrated with myself personally when I think of sowing and reaping. I always think of the negative side of that. When I do something wrong, something bad's going to happen to me. When the reality is that law is actually meant to apply when I do something of value, of good. That thing multiplies itself, not only into the earth, but also, if you give, it shall be given unto you. Guys, that's sowing and reaping. But there's this old covenant mentality. It's like it's the dark cloud of Eeyore all over us all the time, whether we like to hear it or not. We still are hampered by this old covenant way of thinking. You guys okay? Yep, God's going to get you. He's going to get you. But there's this incredible thing called I want to make a new covenant with you. There's something so much more beautiful than that. So let's talk about what this new covenant is. If God was a husband in the old covenant, what is God in the new covenant? Father. Father. He's got to be a father. In fact, you see it, that he's sowing seed. What, What is more fundamental to fathering than sowing seed? In fact, I would say that that's what makes a man... A father. He has seed and he intentionally sows us. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when I talked about husband and wife and I talked about women are seed receivers and men are seed sowers. And it's not just physical, even though physical is just a type and shadow of what's actually going on in the spirit. All the time, men, whether you realize it or not, even right now, you are sowing seed for a future harvest. I even turn this to... I'm going to try to privatize that thing as much as possible. Okay. So God is a father in this new covenant. He is sowing seed, and he shows it right here in Jeremiah Jeremiah 31. And then he says this. It says, when he was a husband to Israel in the old covenant, he took them by the hand. But in the new covenant, I will put my law where? Within them. And on their heart, he will write it. Someone shouted out that the, the old covenant was written on stone, this new covenant he is writing on our hearts. You guys probably know this set of scriptures because it's repeated by the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament. This father, this this God who loves and wants to make a new covenant with us shifted from writing on a tablet and causing people to constantly repeat it back to us so that we heard it from the outside and took it in. Now he says, I want to write it on their hearts. So now, instead of outward compulsion, like in the Old Testament, where someone's constantly telling you, no, 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 don't go over there, go over here. Now there's this inward leading. So the new covenant, this this. Agreement that he's making with us as a father, he says, I'm going to sow my seed in you and I'm going to lead you by your heart. Yeah. What a mo- much more beautiful way of living. Yeah. Living from this inward leading of the heart. I think that not only is it inward leading, but it's inward leading almost like Like, I've had this happen to me many times when I've listened to preachers and teachers or even I've spent time with the Lord and I've been reading the scriptures. Like, when I I get a revelation, you know what a revelation is? A revelation is like the first time you've heard something out here, but it, it strikes something deep on the inside of you. Almost like... Like when you hear it said, it resonates with something very deep on the inside of you. And there's this harmony that takes place between what you've just heard and what's already been happening on the inside of you. But you weren't able to actually maybe verbalize it the way you just heard it. I just gave you what I think is like the greatest definition of a revelation. And for me, when when I think of a new covenant, I think of the Lord leading me in such a way that my insides... Like, I can't verbalize it, but when I experience it, I agree. Have you ever had that happen to you? Like, like maybe someone's sharing something with you that you have never heard before, but deep on the inside of you, something goes, yes! I've always thought that, but I've never actually thought that. Am I you ever had that? Like, like you've had like some kind of guttural sense that what you just heard, you've known it all along, but finally you heard it out here and it kind of like just wahs with you on the inside. That's how he leads you. I believe now the old covenant was when how he led you was through like uh, blessing and cursing, almost like if you want to do good, I'm going to bless you. If you don't do good, I'm going to punish you. And there's a lot of rules associated with that. And then if you, if you, it's almost as if the only way I do good is so I don't get punished. Hello? Yeah, yeah. A lot of us, that's why we do good, because we don't want crap to happen to us. Yeah. I'm not like that. That's not how you were designed. You were designed to do good because you came from that which is good. Hello? Yeah. If we do good only because we're going to get punished if we don't, we actually cry out, we're not from that which is good. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Hmm. And I love this. Right at the end of that verse, in verse 34, the last things he says about this new covenant I will forgive their iniquity. In the old covenant, those last couple words, let me just find that there. Um, he says, but everyone will die, verse 30, for his own iniquity. So in the Old Testament, they still died as a result of their own iniquity. But in the new covenant, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. One of my favorite thoughts about the new covenant is I'm thinking about my sin and God has already forgotten it." it. Here's something else. If you have ever heard in your past life a preacher or a teacher say to you that there will come a day in heaven where you will see everything you did wrong. I want you to burn that in your, like burn it. Literally light it on fire and get rid of it. Because there is so much scripture to support that scripture that we just read. What does scripture tell us that God does with sin? You just did that with your two hands. Say it out loud. East is from the West. Has anybody ever heard of the term the sea of forgetfulness? Has anybody ever heard of this idea that I will remember your sin? Say no more. No more. I want to say this to every human being in this room that's ever going to listen to this, all seven of you out on the online. He is not thinking about what you're doing wrong or have done wrong. He is only thinking about your beauty, how incredible you are, and the bright future you have. This is who our Father is. This is the new covenant that He desired to make. He wanted to make this, and He says, I'm going to make it because I know it's good for Becky, for Cindy, for Jason because he's the only one that stood up and got excited about it. (laughs) Guys, you have a king of all kings, the maker of everything beyond your imagination, and he's only thinking about incredible things about you. you. If that doesn't make you worship God, I don't know what does. This is the new covenant we have. Jason, thank you for rejoicing for all of us. This distinct difference between the two covenants is a key to understanding modern-day Christian life. Okay, so now I've kind of given you some fundamental foundation. Believe it or not, that wasn't even the message. That was just some fundamental foundation to what we're just seeing here, this old covenant versus new covenant. This, this, and it's a transition. If you actually look at the, old te- the, old, the whole Bible, if you read it from front to back... You actually watch it as a transition from one way of living to another way of living. And there are so many different ways to apply that simple process that you see in the Bible. But what I want to look at today is, or one of the ways, I shouldn't say but, one of the ways I want to look at that process from Old Covenant to New Covenant is in the way God wants us to think. How he wants us to process information. Okay? Thinking is your ability to process information and then make quality choices and decisions for your life. Okay? Now, I don't know if you think about this very much, (laughs) but the way you think is really important. I I, I can't remember if I said this to my family last night or if I said it, we talked about it last night. I said the majority, I would say 90% or more of everything that goes on in our lives is the absolute and complete result of the way we think. 10% of it is the result of how other people think. Which means that even if the 10% of people in your life think terribly, you still have a 90% chance of kicking in life. Like you could have everyone else in your life be a complete idiot, and you still got 90% on your side. By the way, I'm just totally making up that statistic. You won't be able to Google that and find that anywhere. That's just a marked statistic. And if you quote that somewhere, I'm just going to warn you right now, someone is going to snopes you to death. Because it's just I just made that up. Literally just made it up. But I believe it's true. It's my truth. Deal with it. But I think you'll find out throughout the course of your life, if you look back over it, majority of your successes and your failures are your own fault. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. 10% of it is your mom or dad not doing a great job or doing an incredible job. 10% of it might be your friends, some great friends, some crappy ones. 10% of it might be, I don't know, name some other influence in your life. But 90% of it is the person in the mirror. Okay? So, the way we think is really important. And I see such a simple principle here of how God's teaching us to think. And I want to show you this. So, if you remember back in the, in the starting verses of this Jeremiah 31 scripture, he sowed two seeds. Now, quick trivia, don't go back. Oh, get, 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 get oh shoot. You're too good. Yeah. Nick Hellman. He sowed the seed. I got to do another trivia question with you all. I'll do it later. He sowed two seeds, the seed of man and the seed of beast. By the way, isn't there some salve called man man or beast? Anybody ever grow up with that? Man or beast salve? Okay, anyway. (laughs) Supposedly it's a salve that cures all ills. All right, Mark, what the heck did that mean? I don't know. I was just told that's what it was called. I don't know. Anyway, okay. So the seed of man or beast. If you think about seed for a second, seed has the DNA of future reality. That's what seed is. Seed is the DNA of a future reality. The seed is not what it's going to look like in the future. But inside that seed is like an oak tree. Isn't that incredible how inside a little seed is something radically different? But the pattern of what's radically different is inside that tiny little seed. Powerful. I think I could preach on the seed for the rest of my life. There's so much truth in it. But so it's the seed of man and beast, okay? DNA of origin. Okay, that's what seed is. Seed is the DNA of what sowed it. So the DNA of. The seed of. So what's the two seeds that are being sown? Say it one more time. Melanie, since you cheated. Man and beast. You didn't technically cheat, you just read. Okay. Seed's intention is to multiply and increase the DNA of of that which the seed came from. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, so the pattern we see here is that first God wants us, man, house of Israel, house of Judah, are really just a picture of mankind in general, okay? He wants, to, he wants us to see what the fruit of working it like a man, or even worse, working it like, like a beast of the field, how that's gonna play out in your life. That's how this starts. It starts with the DNA or the seed of man and beast. This seed could represent the spirit of the world. It could represent uh, influences and uh, economic things, governmental things, social things, whatever it is. It's almost like God intentionally allows those seeds to be sown so that we can actually see the fruit of them in our lives. It's happened to all of us. We've all taken those seeds. We've ingested them into our souls. We've allowed the soul to be the field. The field produces a harvest, and then we see that harvest in our lives. And if you look at what the results of the Old Covenant are, what the results of the seed of man and beast are from Jeremiah 30, how many people remember those four? Don't put it up there. What were the four things that happened? It said it in Jeremiah 1, and it said it in Jeremiah 31. Does anybody remember? Four results. Four results. Plucking up, destruction. There's another one. There's two more actually. Breaking apart, and the fourth one is being overthrown. Now I like that one specifically. All the other three are kind of like all the same thing, but the being overthrown. The term overthrown means that you were sitting on a place of authority and influence, and then someone comes in and takes your seat. That's what happens when you take in the seed of this world, the seed of the man or the seed of beast. You give up your seed of authority to someone that was not meant to have it. Because to be overthrown means that a rebellious force came in and took someone legitimate off the throne. How are we doing? Okay? Okay, so the results of this seed are what we just described. <clears throat> but then he talks about the new covenant, and he talks about how I will watch over them to build and to plant. This is the new covenant way. These are the results of thinking according to the new covenant. And no longer, and then one of the results, sorry, I forgot to repeat this other thing about the old covenant. You guys remember that phrase, sour grapes and teeth on edge? Remember those two? Those were also results. I don't know exactly what teeth on edge means, but it, have you ever like thought you bit down on food, but you didn't and you bit down on your teeth like really hard? And it like, like, that's pain that you can't get away from. And I feel like eating sour grapes, I've never eaten sour grapes before, but I'm sure they don't taste well. Again, more results of the old covenant. But the results of the new covenant are if we take the seed that he's gonna give us through the sowing into our hearts, it says we will be built up and we will be planted. We will be established long-term. I want to go to one verse in the New Testament, and I'm going to continue with this way of thinking. Romans chapter 12. Super uh, familiar verse to all of you. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Pause, don't go to two yet. So in the old covenant, we are offering ourselves as a field to the seed of man and the seed of beast because he has not been a father. Instead, he's a husband who takes us by the outward hand and leads us out of Egypt. He's not leading us from inward. He's leading us from outward. So he has to literally pull us out. Okay? And he says here in verse 1, he says, offer your bodies freely. Offer your bodies as a holy sacrifice. This is a voluntary offering of ourselves to him as a field in which he can sow his seed. And this, like what we just did from 10 to 1045 this morning, is a physical representation of what we should be doing spiritually. Offering ourselves to the Lord. Saying, Lord, have your way with me. I am your field, sow your seed in me so that the results of my life look and smell, taste like you. Multiplication. Okay, now go to verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So I'm gonna geek out on you for a second. And I want to tear apart two words there in chapter in verse 2. Conformed. Okay? Paul is encouraging us after offering ourselves freely to the Lord as a holy sacrifice. He says, "Do not be conformed to this world." That word conformed means to be joined with in union with the image or pattern of. Okay? So if I wanted to kind of like be the amplified Bible for you for a second, do not be joined with, in union with, the image or pattern of this world. That's what it means. So when that seed of man and beast is sown into us, when we allow it to be sown into us, we become one with it. That's what it means to be conformed. It's not that far removed from when a man and a woman come together physically and that union takes place. There is a fruit that results from that often. Hello? It's the result is children, okay? That is exactly what Paul is describing here. When we join ourselves with a system, with a way, when we allow seed to be sown into us, we produce the fruit of that which we join with. How am I doing so far? Everybody understand that? And Paul is saying, there's a danger in taking the seed of this world into yourself. You conform yourself to that image, and then you reproduce it. Because in this scenario, you're not the husband, you're the wife. Hello? This is really important. You are the bride. You were designed by God corporately, us corporately, to receive the seed of God in this case. Okay. So to be conformed means to join with in the union or pattern of this world. But then he says, be transformed. In other words, now that you've kind of brought into yourself this pattern of this world, be transformed. That word means amid or accompanying an ongoing intermediate position. I'm saying a lot of big words, but just go with me on this for a second. Amid or accompanying an ongoing intermediate position of adjusting of parts into a new form. That's what transformed means. Transformed means you are moving from one state to another. The way I kind of look at it this way is that you are ongoing wet concrete. Anybody ever worked with, like, wet anything? Whether it might not be concrete, but it might, like, be, I don't know, cake batter or pizza dough, or I'm trying to relate to all of yeah. you. But that's where we all are. We are all being transformed. I believe that until the day we breathe our last breath of natural air and are transformed into our heavenly bodies, we are in the midst of this term called metamorphosis transformation. We are shifting from what the world wanted us to be to the original identity God always had for us. That is the current reality you're experiencing right now. Now, where you are on that journey of metamorphosis, that intermediate place, is completely dependent upon the way you think. Okay? I want to say it all depends on God, but it doesn't. He is always faithful. He is always in the process of saying, I want you to be who I thought about, like the Jeremiah 1.5. I know you. I know what I created you for. I know what I wanted for you. Will you agree with me? And the more agreement we are, the more we move toward that reality, that beautiful ideal. That's what I believe we're all on. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. No matter where you are in this spectrum, there's only love for you from the Father, there's only ongoing adoration. Only thoughtfulness is how incredible you are, but also how incredible you can be. Hello? This is the beauty of this. Now, I just want to pause for a second and say to you that I know some of you feel like, because I have moments like this too, I'm good where I am. I mean, I've overcome a lot. Or, dude, I'm like, I'm old enough that I don't need to keep growing anymore. I want you to know that 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 kind of thinking is going to only give you what you've already had. And it's only going to give the earth what it currently experiences. Just think about this for a second. If any of us are stuck, because that word transformation means amid, we're in the intermediate process of moving from who we were to who we could be. We're in that process. And if every single human being decided today, I'm stopping. Tell me the condition of the world going forward. Bleak. Bleak. Stagnant. Stagnant. So I want you to think about this. Now, if you're depending upon someone else to not think that way because you are, I got some choice words for you. <laughs> the reality is every single one of us should be taking Romans 12, 2 as a challenge from a father named Paul to say, keep Being transformed. Don't let the stagnancy, even don't let your past successes say to you, Good enough, I've got more. There is more available, right? Wait, there's more, right? Okay, call now. (laughs) So, how are we to be transformed? It says it right here. I kind of gave it away earlier. By the renewing of your mind. The way you think determines how transformed you are. That's the inward work of the new covenant. The new covenant is constantly bringing us into a renewed way of thinking. And here's the result. If we keep moving, no matter how slow, but at least we're moving. (laughs) I know as we get older, we move a little slower but keep moving, we prove to the earth, we prove to our kids, we prove to our spouses, we prove to our, name them, what the perfect will of God is. We show people who he is and what his intentions are. You guys okay so far? Okay, so let's just do this. Let's just do this together. How am I doing on time? Oh, (laughs) old covenant modality, okay, so let's just analyze this real simply, old covenant modality, modality is how something takes place, how something moves forward, how something actually works, okay, first thing, old covenant modality is you establish an accepted pattern, okay, you establish an accepted pattern, who usually does that? Who usually establishes the accepted pattern in a context? Okay. The person with the most authority. The person with the most influence. The person who sits on the throne that we just talked about. Okay? So that person sets up the pattern. And sometimes it's not the boss. How many people work for someone that's not the most influential person in the context it happens all the time just because someone 's the boss doesn 't mean they have the all the authority exactly. Hello yeah and that 's actually a very dangerous context to be in because then that person who is the boss thinks they have the authority, and then the person who actually has the authority is exerting that authority, and the results are disastrous over time okay Needless that was just a little tidbit of had nothing to do with this anyway. Old covenant mentality is establish an accepted pattern. Next step is to consistently communicate the pattern. In other words, do the pattern over and over again until it becomes a pattern. Third thing, the people perform the pattern in such a way that either upholds it or violates it. This is Old Covenant way of thinking. This is the Old Covenant way of doing things. The way the Old Covenant works and stays in power is that people perform in such a way that either upholds or violates the pattern. Now, if they uphold the pattern, blessing, accolades, raises, promotions. Am I describing it so far? And if they violate the pattern, demotion. Bring them in for a meeting. Eventually fire them. Am I good so far? Yeah. All right. And then number four, obviously, like I just said, hold people accountable to the pattern. That's the way the old covenant works. That's the way the old covenant thinks. That's the way the old covenant operates and moves itself forward. But new covenant modality is radically different than that. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to feel the fresh air of this because everything I just said to you, oh, by the way, before I go any further, how much of that Old Covenant modality that I just described to you is at work in your life today? How much of it? And name a context where it's still at work today. Okay, actual work. How many people work in a context where that, those four steps are pretty much the way it works? Okay, I got a couple. Are you all just not really interested in this or we're not raising your hand or it doesn't work that way in your... I was just thinking, I think it reflects my parenting a little, but I don't know how it. Really... It reflects your parenting a little. So let me just, yeah, let me say that because I actually think, <laughs> don't forget Old Covenant to New Covenant, remember Old Testament to New Testament, the Bible, it's actually a picture of growth. It's actually a picture of increasing maturity. So I think it's absolutely legitimate that when children are young that that's kind of the way it works. You have to tell kids a thousand times the same thing. Anybody? Okay, but if they're 16 and that's the way you're parenting them, you're doing it wrong. I'm telling that to every parent of a 16-year-old. How old are you? 15. Okay, close enough. It's already in them. So let's talk about New Testament now or New Covenant modality. Okay, let's not even bring God into this yet. Let's just, let's just do this in the context of parenting since we just talked about that. Okay, I have spirit of God here, but let's just take it out of that God context and let's put it in the parent context. New covenant modality likes this, thinks of this. The spirit of the parent speaks to each one personally and intimately. The spirit of the parent speaks to each one personally, and intimately. One of the things Don and I had to learn as parents, we have four children, and if we told all four kids the exact same thing, oftentimes one or two of them were frustrated, and one or two of them were like, okay, I get that. Because each child needs to be parented individually, beautifully, tailored. That's why the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go. That word is there for a reason. That's, that's actually in the old Hebrew language. It means that there is a specific way God designed them, Jeremiah 1.5. You need to learn that as a parent. And you need to teach them accordingly. Now, the problem is you're going to turn to your next child, and you're going to see they're like this, and you have to parent them that way. And then that first kid's going to look at that second kid and yell at you for it. And that happens in the church today. That happens in business today. You just treated that person different than you treated me. That's right. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes our, our uh, model in our minds of fairness and justice are based on old covenant, not new covenant. So in the new covenant, the Lord or a parent is speaking to each one of us personally, and intimately. And here's the most incredible thing about New Covenant teaching. What God is talking to Phil about, he is not talking to Katrina about. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But those two things are not necessarily the same. In fact, most of the time it isn't. Hello? But what is the same? It's the source of the voice. Old Covenant wants what is said to be the same new covenant is who is saying it is the same do you hear the difference between those two things if what is said is the same thing then everybody will be doing the same thing but if who is saying it is the same it's very possible that what God is saying to Jeff he's not even saying to his wife now doesn't that cause some wonderful marital bliss all right Now, is it possible that if they, in their maturity as a son and daughter of God, in their ongoing moving on that spectrum from seed of man or beast to seed of God, that the two, though they're saying something completely different in the context of their marriage, can see the Lord's voice in the other's voice? Do you see the possibilities that could take place? Instead of Jeff demanding Tammy say the exact same thing he's saying, he instead says what the Lord is saying to him, listens to what Tammy's hearing the God say, and recognizing the Lord, though it's different than what Jeff is saying. Hello? This is New Covenant. So, New Covenant modality is the Lord or parent, like we said speaking to each one personally and individually, both in nature and in nurture. Like, So back to Becky, what you were asking, Like, there are certain things you know about that guy. You know it because you're his mom. My mom knows stuff about me that irritates me, how well she knows me. And she can say certain things to me and say it in such a way where it just goes all the way down. And you know that about him. And sometimes you should say it and sometimes you should just rely upon the fact that he needs to dig it up for himself. Okay, And that's how I think New Covenant is. New Covenant is not dependent upon the one in authority constantly reminding the other person of what they're supposed to do. New Covenant mentality. This is one of the things I love about God the Father but also is so frustrating. He trusts us. Like God actually trusts his kids to discover what he put on the inside of them. He'll leave breadcrumbs along the way. He'll leave little hints and little glimpses, but he waits for you to discover it. He doesn't want to be a priest that constantly tells you what you're supposed to do and what incredible things are inside of you. Instead, he gives you little hints. He gives you little nuggets. And then he says, part of the process is you discovering it for yourself. That's why it can't just be all on God for you to move in this spectrum. It has to be you too. Okay? Next, new covenant modality is the child of God hears God within him talking to him or her. Okay? Okay? And then here's the most important part. The child of God hears the voice of his father or her father talking to him or her on the inside and then says, that's my father. That's the key. The key is to decide that what you hear is actually your father talking to you. And you agree. And you say yes. And you don't believe the sin that you did yesterday is who you are. Don't forget, the Old Covenant wants to remind you of what you did wrong so you don't do it again. The New Covenant is constantly talking to you about who you are and what's possible. The next part of New Covenant modality is the child and God together, or the child and parent together, act on what they've agreed upon. What they've agreed upon together. They do it. And then finally, the, the, accountability, so like the accountability piece in the Old Covenant is punishment or blessing. The accountability in the New Covenant is like, like this inner peace. Have you ever made a good decision, even if it was a small one, and the result is just like, have you ever felt that on the inside of you? Like that just like, wow, I, I, like, I feel like my roots just went down 10 inches into the soil when I made that decision, when I made that choice. Or like literally like a breath of fresh air, there's no wind blowing but you can almost feel or you can actually smell something like fresh baked bread. Like those things can actually happen when you're making good decisions and that's the accountability. Or the lack of that. Like simply when you make a poor choice, it's not necessarily something that's gonna come swing around and you know smack you on the butt, but instead there's just like this, this disease on the inside of you. Like you just, like almost like there's this little bit of insecurity that instead of your roots going 10 inches down, they come 10 inches up. And you feel a little more like, whoa, my tree's not as strong as it was just five minutes ago because I made that choice. Am I talking to anybody's spirit right now? That is the accountability of the new covenant. You don't need someone smacking you with a punishment, it's already in you. Here's what I believe, in. Romans 7 talks about this. The one who wants to do good is on the inside of you, already knowing that which is good and that which is evil. It, you already know it. It's been put on the inside of you. Don't forget Jeremiah 1.5. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, finish it for me. I knew you. Who formed you? God. Is God good? That means that good seed is still in you. And when you do something good in accordance with the seed of God, something on the inside of you goes, yes, you know it. You know it and you feel it. And then when you deliberately rebel against the goodness of God on the inside of you, the inside of you goes, it could be no, whatever it is, I'm trying to be overly, but you get it, you feel it. You don't need a punishment. I will tell you a poor choice is punishment enough. Yeah, very true. Yeah, exactly. Very true. I'll let that sit. Okay. So, in the old covenant, it operates without. Everything happens outside of you and it happens to you in order for you to do what's the right thing to do. In the new covenant, it operates from within you. I actually would say that the old covenant is a really good definition of slavery. You're a slave if you have to operate according to the Old Covenant. If you have to have someone constantly tell you, monitor you, punish you, or bless you to do good things, you're a slave. But if you operate from the internal, if you operate from this this relationship with God on the inside of you, you don't need someone telling you what is right and what is wrong. You don't need laws to keep you from whatever it is that is legal or illegal. And if you just operate according to what's going on on the inside of you, you are free as free can be. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. This is what Jesus came to do. So, any context... Where everyone is thinking and doing the same thing. Any context. Where everyone is basically doing and saying the same thing, there is a dominant human personality at the center. Don't forget, let's go back to the beginning. What's the seed that he first sows? The seed of man and the seed of beast. When everyone's doing the same thing, When everyone is pretty much thinking the same way, when everybody's pretty much saying the same thing, God is not at the center of that. A dominant human spirit spirit is. I'm presenting that to you. When everyone is hearing the same voice, and operating according to it. They're not all doing the same thing. They're not all thinking the same way. They're not all saying the same thing. But there is a beautiful harmony. I can't help but think of like an orchestra. If you ever heard any particular part, like I, I used to play in a band. <laughs> I mean, I was young. When we played in a band, and we, and the director would stop the whole band, and he would just have the clarinets play their part, I was like, I, I don't even know how that can, like, that doesn't even sound at all like the song when it's all played together. Has anybody ever been involved in a circumstance like that? Okay. Or it's like on a team, if just, let's say it's a football team and there's 11 guys on the field. How many guys are on the field of football? 11. Eleven. Okay. So if, if there's 11 guys on the field for the whole play, but instead the coach takes all the other 10 guys off the field and just one guy runs the play, what's it look like? Like, what's he? It it looks like what's he doing? Like, and he's gonna probably die too. Yeah. But if you just had that one guy play, it doesn't look like anything. But when all eleven do the play, it makes sense. Okay? That's exactly what the new covenant is like. They're all doing different things. The left tackle's pulling, the right tackle's doing something else, soccer something different, the band something different. But when it's all together. It does this incredible thing that the individual can never do. Okay, so this is what I think is going on. And I I brought all of this to a head here because... And you could apply this hundreds of different ways, but I want to apply this to the way we think. Because I think Christians and the church in general has taken this modality, this old covenant modality and adapted it, and put pretty bows on it, and put modern things on it, but still works according to the old covenant. We think, as Christians, that we all have to think the exact same way. Like we all, all right, let me just get real real with you. We all have to be patriots, conservative. We all have to have a very specific way of thinking about politics. Or a particular issue. Hello? Yeah. What are we clones? Huh? What are we clones? Yeah, are we clones? Here, it, it, the results are this. Here are results. And I, I, politics is just w- w- really easy, low-hanging fruit. But it can be anything. But at the end of the day, it's this. If I have to think and say things exactly like you think or say things in order to be whatever you would call a Christian... We are operating in Old Covenant. Yeah. And I've watched this happen in the Christian circles today, that we are uh, punished if we don't think according to a specific way that is yeah. Christian. Has anybody dealt with that in your own life? Has anybody had a Christian tell you that the way you're thinking is wrong? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. In this room, yes. Let me ask you, the same people that just raised your hand, do you believe the Lord instigated the way you're thinking? Raise your hand if you think the Lord's instigating the way you're thinking. Who's right? (laughs) 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 Wayne's like, God, I'm right. No, here's the reality. Back to that simple example I was doing with Jeff and Tammy over there. Jeff is going to hear God, and he's going to tell Tammy what God says to him. Tammy is going to look at him and go, that is not at all what God's telling me. God is telling me this. And they're going to be, if they think according to Old Testament or Old Covenant, they're going to be at an impasse because they both have to think the same in order to move forward. New Covenant does not think that way. New Covenant says this. Wait a minute. Those are not two opposing ways of thinking. Those are meant to be two partnered ways of thinking. The key is, how do we find where those two things fit together so that we can move forward? Hello? Oh, in agreement? That's right. How can two walk together unless they agree? Okay. Okay. Old Testament scripture, and it's very true. And you, But here's the thing, and I've learned this the hard way. Old covenant mentality says we all have to say Leviticus 14.32 the exact same way. That's old covenant way of thinking. That's old covenant modality. New covenant thinking is I hear the Lord say this, and my friend over here hears the Lord say this, and we link arms because the same Lord talked to us. When I hear the clarinet play and I hear the trumpet play, it does not sound the same at all, but when they play together, hello? sounds good, yeah. I mean, Mozart and Beethoven knew what the heck they were doing when they put those two things together. But you and I, we try to put those two things together. (laughs) And Beethoven's snapping even here, even here. Right on, yeah. To walk with them. Right on. You trust that the Lord is talking to them. Look, our minds, look, this entire, the reason why I spent so long bringing us from Old Covenant into New Covenant and showing you those two things, I wanted to show you that every single one of us are stuck in Old Covenant ways. Every one of us, including the guy talking to you, we're all stuck in this. We all have to think the same way to move forward together. No, we don't. The only thing I ever see throughout Scripture that determines unity is love for one another. You, I challenge you to look at Scripture and show me another definition of unity. I challenge you. So if love for one another or trust, I, th- I think they're very much united, if that is in play, if I love you enough, then I'm going to listen to what you believe the Lord is saying to you, and we're going to link arms. And this is, what then, this is what then happens. And here's where the trust factor, don't forget, the Lord trusts us. If you don't believe that, that's something else that needs to get healed on the inside of you. The Lord trusts his kids. And every parent goes, has to go through the horrible, breaking cycle of not trusting your children to trusting your children. It is a terrible process to go through because it makes you afraid that they will not make the right decision and they will hurt themselves. Every single parent will go through this. And then when they do hurt themselves, the parent will have guilt. Come on, parents, say amen with me because you're going to feel this, that they did something wrong, that you did something wrong as a parent because they got hurt. No, you didn't. You trusted your child to take their own step. How many people have learned from their own mistakes? That's how you learn. Only a four-year-old, five-year-old learns from someone else telling them what a mistake is. At some point in time, you got to graduate. So fast forward to this new covenant mentality. I can link arms with you, and you will tell me what the Lord is saying to you, And I am 100% convinced that is not what God is saying. I can still link arms with you. And if you can't, you're a Pharisee. If you can't link arms with somebody because you don't believe, that's what God's saying. You're a Pharisee because you require them to say the exact same thing you are. And here's the thing. It's possible God's not saying that to them. That's possible that what they're saying to you, they're absolutely convinced it's God, but it's the seed of man or beast. But if you don't link arms with them, who is hearing from God, it's possible when they reap the fruit of that seed and no one's holding their hand, they could fall into the pit. But thank God someone wise enough linked and said, let's walk together because when you fall, hang right here. we got to grow up. we got to grow up. We need more and more people to start thinking like this Jesus taught us to think. It is very possible. There's a lot of people in your life who are absolutely convinced God is saying this. Join them anyway. Link arms with them anyway. It doesn't mean you're going to go achieve their goals, but you're going to link arms with them. There's a difference between helping them achieve their goals and linking arms with them. How are we doing? I can be your friend and completely think differently than you and not want to achieve that particular goal in your life. And it doesn't mean I walk out of your life. Go ahead. Explain what you're saying. In old covenant, we tend to use scripture as the mediator to fight with Oh, yeah. Like, I don't agree with you because... Yeah, so scripture becomes the law on tablets. Yeah, it's uh, like we have a really unhealthy relationship with scripture. Absolutely. I think, and here's the thing. I've talked about this years ago. I actually had people leave the church over this. The Bible is not the word of God. I think I just lost 10%. Okay, maybe 20. Jesus is the word of God. I want to say that again. The Bible is not the word of God. The Bible never calls itself the word of God. The Bible never refers to itself as the word of God. The Bible consistently refers to Jesus as the word of God. And that makes Christianity dangerous because I don't have a set of rules to follow. I have a king. I have a lord. I have a father. And a father who's wise enough to say one thing to Sherlyn that he might not be saying to her husband. It would be a lot easier if he just gave them a book. Follow the book. You'll be okay. Yeah, they'll be robots. But if Jesus is the word, and we're in intimate fellowship with Jesus, who is the Father, and he's talking to us, it's a living growing, breathing, dynamic relationship with God that's fraught with all kinds of potential problems. But anything that's fraught with potential problems is also fraught with incredible opportunities. But there's a reason why the old covenant had to go away. It's because it long-term would not bring about the fullness of the kingdom of God but relationship with Jesus, who is the word of God, will bring about the kingdom. How are we doing? Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Twelve. Oh, goodness. Where did the time go? So a context, I'm just going to finish with this. Context where everyone's thinking and doing the same thing, a human personality is at the center. You end up with groupthink. Systems sourced in human wisdom. Those are the systems that conform to this world and will eventually be plucked up, broken down, and overthrown. A context in which each one is uniquely thinking and doing according to the spirit within them. God is the center. And then you have God think. Heaven on earth sourced in God's spirit. And then we begin to see on earth what it was supposed to always be in Heaven. Let your kingdom come, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I cannot wait for each one of us to take our personal, intimate encounters with Jesus and link them with one another. That's the kingdom of God, guys. That's the kingdom on earth. That's heaven on earth. Anyway, I bless you to think about this some more. Think with the Lord. I'm sorry I preached so long, but I really wanted to get that all out to you to be thinking about that. I bless you to experience God in all your life. Think like Him. Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.